Hey, LA football fans, the Left Coasters here. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And I am Tony. And if you enjoy the three of us bantering over NFL football, please feel free to give us a like on SoundCloud. Head to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and help this podcast grow. You can also find us at theleftcoasterspodcast.com. And guys, get ready for a show. Welcome, everyone, to Championship Week of the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo. I'm with Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. I'm with Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, and I am excited. You know why? Because we just had the most entertaining weekend of NFL football I can remember. Since we've done this podcast, I cannot remember a more entertaining weekend of NFL football than what we just had. Four games, three of whom came down to the wire, and one was a shellacking by the New England Patriots, who are by far the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. We will break down the conference championship games a little bit later, but we cannot continue to go on without talking about the four games that happened this weekend. Gentlemen, how, how much were your socks rocked this weekend? I'm still out of breath. Unbelievable. Still wow. out of breath. I, I, I was asking myself at the end of that Pittsburgh Jaguars game, how, how could we possibly be topped in the next game, how we've had a great first start, uh, uh, you know, a game where I hope you bet the over in the Pittsburgh-Jacksonville game, and then you to, to end the way that it did uh, for Pittsburgh or in in, um, in the Minnesota Saints game there was just just a, a, a beautiful cherry on top of an amazing Sunday the, that was an NFL Sunday. It was Sunday. the first ever walk-off touchdown in regulation yeah, in NFL playoff history. history. What's fascinating? I mean, we we were lucky enough to watch it together, so we we got a really good uh, we had a really good good Sunday. What was fascinating was that it was seventeen nothing, you know, at the at the start of that game. Oh, yeah. We kind of felt like, oh, we had a good with Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. I guess we're just gonna be lucky enough to get one great game. As soon as that uh, the, the Drew Brees and the Saints started coming back, we were all just like, you can't, you got to be joking me. But this is Drew Brees. I mean, he's gonna do it. Yeah. No, he's gonna do it. He's doing it. I mean, you know? three touchdowns sure in the second half for Drew Brees. A great interception by Marcus Williams, who turned into a be a goat later. It was a crazy game, Minnesota. Four, New Orleans. Was it four? We'll talk about that play later. Four changes on. in ch- changes in, yeah. in, four, in leads. Four changes. But, yeah, we in the didn't. Last three minutes we didn't have game. a lot of confidence in this. I'm pretty sure that we uh, we did not rush back in after halftime to from our game of cornhole to uh, get back in no, front of the TV not. because it was a three score game. We did not. We did not. But it was an entertaining game. It was an entertaining and Saturday was pretty entertaining too. That. Atlanta-Philadelphia game was fun if you like defensive football, not the theatrics of Sunday. And then New England showed why New England is New England in the fact that anyone who thought Tennessee might be able to do some stuff, they went up 7 nothing on New England. That game was over by halftime, as it should be. Now, gentlemen, Atlanta-Philly, what can we draw from that game? You saw Philly move on. They were the number one seed without their starting quarterback. They were an underdog to a sixth seed. Atlanta, who looked the hottest in wildcard weekend. What can we draw from that other than... That's why you play the game. Well, it's definitely why you play the game. I think that, again, a home field advantage going in uh, going into next week is going to be a big deal. It mm. was a big deal mm-hmm. this weekend to have that crowd behind them. Absolutely. Nick Foles didn't play a very good game. 
Uh, but I disagree. But but well, you know, I, I he didn't he didn't play. Did he play a Tom Brady very good game? No, no. Did no, he play he a Nick Foles didn't. good game? Yes. <laughs> and maybe that's all you have to do because I think that the Eagles are starting to realize something that the Jaguars realized early on in their season, which is that they can lean on their defense to make plays, and their quarterback just has to be all right. And just like yeah. we've talked about before, maybe throw for 250 yards and three touchdowns, you can get away with and a no win. no mistakes. 15 points was enough to get it done against an Atlanta Falcons offense that really never got off the ground, unfortunately, for Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian. Jesus. Woo. Woo. Steve Sarkeesian's the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. We've bashed him a couple of times here, and we're going to bash him again. He was really, really bad in that game. Yeah. But really, got, really bad. But keep in mind, too, that this Atlanta team was kind of going back down to the mean. You know what I mean? They, they were kind of dropping back a little bit. I think they had some injuries across the, the offensive line. And, and you know, it, it's hard to repeat like that. There, there's, there's a lot of numbers to throw around that Atlanta was not going to be as good as they were last year, and that's okay. The real the real pooper of it, it really is is that Matt Ryan really you know 22 for 36 210 one TD he never really seemed to get going he did not he was he was he was moving his feet a lot they got to him a lot and and third down efficiency was really poor for for Matt Ryan and the Falcons four for 13 uh, fourth down uh, efficiency was one for two so you're not really looking at at, at a really solid outing and then red red zone efficiency one for three. Uh, not going to get it done, but um, on the other end, uh, goal-to-go efficiency for, for the Philadelphia Eagles, one-for-one. One. I mean, that's going to do it. This they did is, what they needed to do in Philly. This is a game that did, obviously, uh, first of the first of a couple to come down to a final play here, and the Falcons did have an opportunity to win it at the very last second. Who knows what might have happened if Julio Jones doesn't slip and fall on that out route in the, on, the, on the end zone there, but... Um, you know, he had a great matchup against Ronald Darby, too. He's much, 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 much bigger than Ronald Darby. Yes. And that one of the few times that I think you'll even even with the stumble, you'll see Julio Jones not come down with that pass. It wasn't a great ball from Matt Ryan, but I mean, it, you a weird know, game for Atlanta. it was a weird, weird game. game. I mean, you can look at that one play, but you could also say that Atlanta had other opportunities to get on the board and they didn't they didn't do it. They came up short. And, they did uh, not. No so repeat Philly, trip. Philly moves on. Then later on that day, New England hosts Tennessee and just demolishes them. Really quick, what's the one thing we take away from that? Well, for me, it's they did everything they needed to do. I think they they put eight men in the box. They, oh, yeah. They stacked it. I think Derrick Henry had 50-some-odd yards. You yeah. Know, had, had nowhere to go, and they made Marcus Mariota do what Marcus Mariota hasn't done all year, and that's and that's throw to win. Yeah, stay in the pocket. Stay and throw in the, the pocket ball. and throw the ball. You know who they're going to do the same with that game plan for? Who? The team they're playing next. Yeah. Dangles, what do you take away from this uh, Patriot win? Well, uh, the offensive line had an excellent game. They were never uh, the pl- tight didn't sack Tom Brady once, and this was something that I brought up in, in the last week's episode when we talked about what the Titans would need to do if they wanted to win, and that was get Tom Brady to have to move in the pocket and make throws on the run. That's where he's not good, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't do that. They didn't sack him one single time. Nobody was able to get in there, unfortunately. And and if Tom Brady has time to throw in the pocket, he's gonna he's he's gonna uh, uh, you know he's gonna have all day to do it, and he, he's gonna make those throws. So I think between that and the fact that they shut Derrick Henry down completely. Um, we see why they're the best, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to, you know, obviously going to look to do the same thing against Jacksonville next weekend. Absolutely. I mean, to me, what I drew from that game is there is a definite rift between Brady, Belichick, and Kraft. There is just something wrong with that three. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They won by 30. Never mind. Everything is normal. Everything's they win another fine, Super Bowl. and it's all just talk. They are going to be facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Woo! Who beat up a team that there should be rifts between the owner, the GM, and the head coach because Pittsburgh 
My God, I've. Uh, this is why when you watch Bill Belichick, he goes, "We're on to the next team. We never look ahead. We aren't. We we have this team coming up on the schedule. We never look down the road." Pittsburgh got jumped by Jacksonville for the first time since 1999. No opponent had scored 45 points in Pittsburgh since Week 17 of the 1999 season. And Jacksonville, the vaunted, high-flying offense of the Jacksonville Jaguars, scored 49 in Heinz Field. Ridiculous. And, and you gotta, you got to give a lot of credit to Leonard Fournette. He I mean, played great, especially the first half. Leonard Fournette, 109 yards, 25 carries. you got to remember, Blake Bortles only attempted 26 passes. He was efficient. He, he did well with the ball. He didn't turn the ball over, which is, which is everything you needed him to, to do. But, you know, compared to Ben Roethlisberger's 58 attempts— 58 attempts. This Jaguars defense gets a flying high five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For I, I know it was five touchdowns. I know, it, you know, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell also had a day. But they stuck with it. And, 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 and Pittsburgh scored on amazing plays. A, a crazy plays. Yeah. Crazy plays. And then good on Jacksonville for just kind of coming back when they needed to. I mean, it was efficient. When Blake Bortles needed to score, he scored. And, 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 that's fan, and that's fantastic for the Jaguars fans. That's everything you want out of Blake Bortles. What showed me the most from this Jacksonville team is the fact that not that they went up 28 to 7 but the fact that Pittsburgh came back came back and, and had and started knocking on the door and Jacksonville still kept scoring points that's what impressed me the most the play of the game for me was Jacksonville they're getting close to the goal line right before they scored their last touchdown instead of handing it off to Fournette again oh. they run the perfectly timed play action pass oh, to the tight end tight end was wide open by a mile it was the just a great oh, that was the great, yeah. Yeah. great play Tommy Bohannon yes. best name in the a, NFL it was a best best catch, uh, former former made man in the Irish mob uh, Tommy Tommy <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Bohannon. Great play, uh, play, play of the game for me, and this is just kind of shows the we have nothing to lose and we're willing to take risks to make this happen kind of attitude that the Jaguars have was the first touchdown that they scored. Fourth and one on their very first possession of the game. They give the ball to their horse, Leonard Fournette, and what does he do? He dives over the goal line for a touchdown. That set the tone right out of the gate yes, and said, did. we are going to come in here, yes, we are going to smash you in the mouth, and you are going to have to keep up with us if you want to win here today. I don't care that it's your house. I have a question. Who takes the blame for this Pittsburgh loss? Who do you point the finger at? It's got to be on the defensive side of the ball. When the Jaguars were 5 for 5 in the red zone. 5 for 5. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that to me is like you guys couldn't stop them once? You couldn't stop them once? So to me it's got to rely heavily on the defensive side of the ball because you don't score 42 points and, and blame it on the First offense. First time since 99. Uh Dangles. Uh, I mean, this there were some uh, head scratching coaching decisions made down the stretch by That'd Mike by Mike Tomlin yeah. and, and his coaching staff. Um, the maybe the biggest of which was that no one no one on the sideline had the had the stones to tell Tomlin that he had spit in his beard for the entire second half of the football game. <laughs> um, so take from that what you will, but I mean, the, uh, Tomlin Tomlin made some poor decisions down the stretch here. I, I mean, you can elaborate on it, Tony. I'm I sure th- if I think you he like. Stunk. I think the fact that you're letting your team talk about off field. You're letting Mike Mitchell talk about playing New England. You're letting Le'Veon Bell talk about his contract future. You just need to run a tighter ship, my friend. You need to run a tighter ship. And then his team comes out and poops on the field against Jacksonville. To go down 28-7 to in your home field, in your home field, what will be your last home playoff game, you know it will be going into it. You go down 28-7. to It's ridiculous. I think it's all on Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley called they, a terrible game as They well. attempted six fourth downs. Yeah. They, they it, got themselves into really funky situations. It's a dumb Too team. Many. It's Too a dumb many. Team. It's also hard to win when you give up 45 points. Yeah. You know, it's when, a dumb when, team. When, it comes, well, it when it comes down to it.
And now it's Jacksonville versus New England. But before we move on to the conference championships, there was one more game, and it ended in oh, yeah. spectacular fashion. A lot of fireworks. New Orleans and Minnesota. We all said that this was going to be the game of the week, and boy, were we right. The first half, dominated by Minnesota. New Orleans could not do a goddamn thing. Second half, New Orleans comes back and lights the tail on fire of this Minnesota vaunted passing defense. Once Andrew Sandejo went down, that whole game opened up, and it'll be interesting to see if Andrew Sandejo, the strong safety for Minnesota, plays against uh, Philadelphia because once he went down, Drew Brees did whatever he wanted against Harris, Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes. They also lost, lost Terrence Newman on the game, so that defensive backfield for Minnesota has fallen apart a little bit, but this game has one play and one play only. The Stephon Diggs 61-yard play touchdown to end the game. Bonkers. I, I, I still don't understand what happened. I, I still don't understand what happened. If it came out in, in the not-too-distant future or even several decades from now that, that, was a, that he threw that play, everybody would be like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Just yeah. the way it looked, just from an optics standpoint, you were like, "Wait a minute, was he pulling up? Was he trying to get him up?" The the logic today, him being the safety, for him New Orleans. being the safety for New Orleans, uh, Marcus Williams, Marcus Williams. The 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 interesting aspect of it is, is they were interviewing him right afterwards, and he said, "You know, I was just trying to keep him inside the the field of play. I was trying to get on the which other is, side." Which of is him. what you should be Super doing if smart. you're a defensive back. The last thing you want is for to, if him to get knocked out of bounds, then you're looking at a 50 yard field goal uh, try. And Kai Forbath had been playing a very good game kicking wise up to that point if i'm if you know if i'm new orleans i'm doing everything in my power they had no timeouts left to keep this guy nope. in bounds nope. so the clock ticks down but i go to people like Deion sanders who after the game said there's really no excuse for that because your job is simply to get the guy down that's yeah. it simply that if it if it happens inside it, out of bounds shitty but not bad because you you're willing to give up that 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 kind of yardage because uh, I think at that point it would have still been a 52 yard field goal. It was still a long field. It was goal. a long ass field, field goal. So so there's really not a lo whole lot of excuse that, and 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 obviously that gentleman's gonna gonna have that for the rest of his career. But credit, mind blowing. Credit where credit is due. I've watched that play again. And Case Keenum steps up in the pocket on Ooh. that throw and unleashes a laser 30 yards to the uh, to the boundary. A laser to complete that pass to begin with. And then Diggs makes a great play, turns around, and he did runs that several plays before with Adam Thielen he, with, the, with he, that pass interference Case that Keenum, was a disgusting catch too what the I mean, hell happened Sean Payton was asked about it after the game and you know he said look we were in we were in too deep safety coverage this is that, that's the situation we wanted to be in like the call was right as far as he could tell but I watched I watched a couple different angles of that uh, you know the coach's film and all the all, all 22 kind of thing and, and and a couple of diagrams out of it that were put put in motion very fun there are two or three guys on the Saints defense who are just in no man's land on that play the second safety as soon as the way the play plays out, he takes so long to get over to the side of the field where Diggs is. As soon as he sees that Keenum is tending towards that side of the field and there's no play on his side, he needs to be drifting over there, and he's the nowhere to be found. There's also P.J. Williams, who's hanging three yards off the line of scrimmage like he's playing uh, like he's playing the running back to run a flat route. On third and ten with six seconds left, there's no way you're dumping it off to your running back in the flat. So there's two players right there who could have been covering Diggs, who could have maybe been in position to make a tackle if they had been playing a little bit deeper or in the right position. And there was two and linebackers. Weren't. And there was two linebackers sitting right there. And they said that was extremely odd too to have two other two other defenders literally in that area without without any kind of you know uh, 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 zone to figure out yeah. what's going on. So very funky stuff. But you know I, I liken that to to just a breakdown in 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 uh, practicing because you don't you probably don't practice that play a whole. Oh, lot. you absolutely should. You you, you do. The, Sean Payton said the, we practice this this all the time. I'm I'm say, if you're the New England Patriots, you practice that all the time. 
that. But I'm sure I, I I don't know. Then I then I've got nothing else because it didn't look like that that team knew exactly what weird, was going man. on. It, it looked, looked funky. It looked weird. What I will I mean, say though, hindsight being 2020, if I'm the defensive coordinator there, I am blitzing and putting pressure on Case Keenum. I, I'd gladly bring at least five people and try to get Case to move his feet before that throw comes out. I do it on every Hail Mary play. I don't know why more defenses don't do it. They're scared of getting beat on the man-to-man coverage. I don't know. It, to, to me, Keep if you make the guy throw fast, in that tip, particular situation, 10 seconds left, no timeouts, you have to make him throw fast. You can't make him throw to where he wants to throw, and that's what happens. One of the things that is too bad for the Saints here in this situation is that they didn't have timeouts to work with because it would have been nice for them to have been able to stop the play, get everybody on the same page, but because of two maybe forced challenges by Sean Payton that one were not at least one, one, not one, one, at least one of them was a bad challenge where he th- basically threw a timeout away. You have that timeout there. Who knows? Maybe it turns out. I mean, we could say play the what if game all day long, I guess. But you know, if you have a little bit more time to reset your defense there, maybe, maybe you know, maybe they had some better time to get on the same page, and you don't have that long, uh, that long game. And another funny thing about this game was we spent the first half screaming at the television, wondering what the refs were doing. It, it was a very Gene Steratore was the ref of the New Orleans Minnesota game. He was not doing well. I I don't. I there was de- there was definitely a couple plays where I was like, Weird I don't know calls. how you call that. I don't Weird know calls. how you call that. Weird calls. And that's coming that's from objective time. observers. Hopefully that's the last time we see that crew on the field. But moving forward now, those four teams are gone. The other four are meeting in the final four, the semifinal matchup, conference championship Sunday, which we will break down after the break. But first, I want to talk about some of the head coaches that have been rumored or have been written pen to paper to be hired. We're going to do a little Mary Fuck Kill. Of there have been five coaches since we are recording right now that have been hired or are pretty much rumored to be hired and will be going to their respective teams. But also, we have another team uh, head coaching vacancy open up, and that was the Tennessee Titans. They just lost the divisional playoffs. They just were one of the final eight teams in the NFL alive, and they fired their head coach. Mike Malarkey. Mm, I don't know if fired's the right word though. They parted ways they parted because ways. they couldn't come they couldn't come to a I feel like I feel like firing sort of implies there's an there's an implication of of a failure to do one's job and it, the way that this sounded at least the way that the Titans organization is is making it sound this was uh, they didn't see eye to eye on where the future of the football team was and so Malarkey and them decided it was best for both sides I think if it's they a, parted that's ways a, it's a very media friendly thing to say that they parted ways and they released the statement sure. saying they parted ways but there is no doubt in my mind that the Tennessee Titans said Malarkey you're gone why do you fire a guy who takes you to the playoffs and wins you a game for that the first I don't time know. And one like... week prior you make a statement a public statement as an organization that that he's our coach for the foreseeable future and we're, we're, we're talking extensions so what's malarkey doing coming in on the meeting putting his dick on the table and saying pay me more money like how does he i mean i don't know what i don't know situation? what else could have gotten and you know could have ended up i mean it sounded like again and this is just from some brief skimming of 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 reports that there were they that that the Titans wanted to replace some of his coaching staff and that Malarkey wasn't on board for that and so he maybe he and, just said look I'm walking and if one of the one of the telltale signs of you know the stratosphere getting information uh, outside of the the normal public uh, relations there was a lot of talk of um, the Titans going after uh, McDaniels so Josh McDaniels. Josh yeah. McDaniels. So my 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 guess was that they had they had talked behind closed doors and and made you know contacts with uh, 
with his people and probably got a good indication that this would be a place that because th- again the quotes around everything was he prefers Tennessee over over Indianapolis whatever that means but the point is is that I have a good feeling that might have had some sway in it. It, it looking at the the landscape of who's available and what's going I'm sure that they saw better coaching elsewhere if that's the case well it looks like they done fucked up because they Josh McDaniels sure has been rumored to be signing with the Indianapolis Colts, who just so happen to be in Tennessee's division. And Josh McDaniels will get handed, hopefully, a healthy Andrew Luck. Again, this is a rumor that he's going to the Indianapolis Colts, but it's a rumor perpetrated by the NFL and Ian Rappaport. So it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. Also rumored to be going to your Detroit Lions, Brian, Matthew Patricia, the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Uh, Going to the New York Giants, again, a rumor. Pat Shermer, who's with Minnesota as their offensive coordinator, the man who called that Stephon Diggs 61-yard touchdown. And two confirmed hires, John Gruden with the Oakland Raiders, we've talked about before, and Matt Nagy, the former uh, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, going to the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. Arizona and Tennessee still waiting in the weeds over there. Who knows what Arizona's planning with no quarterback on the roster. And Tennessee, again, just ma- just finished the playoffs, just made divisional weekend and fired their head coach. But we have five of them, five confirmed or rumored to be confirmed hires. Matchmaker, make me a match. What's your marry, fuck, kill for these matches right here? Marry first, bride guy. I'm going to start with Patricia. I think that was a— you, you would. Well, I would only because I know a lot about it, and I think it's a great match. With Bob Quinn, the GM over at the Detroit Lions, who is a uh, Patriots man uh, who you know cut his teeth in that organization, he built a relationship with Patricia. So when you're talking about inner— uh, uh, f- um, you know, uh, building dialogue and communication. Apparently, and you guys could be the answer to this. I don't know enough about it per se, but allegedly there is a great deal of uh, p- uh, of, of specific lingo and and uh, scouting that goes on uh, in the Patriots organization that is very specific to to Bilicek. He has a very specific way of doing things, and Patricia learned that. And Bob Quinn is trying to implement that. So it. It's all about matches, and I think with Patricia being a very good head coach, he also fits very well into the mantra of, I think, what Detroit is as a city. You know, uh, like Sean McVay fits here, I think Patricia is a very Midwest, Rust Belt city guy. I really think he's going to come in. He's got an offense. He's got Matt Stafford. He doesn't, and and it looks as though uh, um, uh, Jim Bob Cooter is going to be staying as offensive coordinator. Good old Uh, faithful Jim Bob. and, And all Patricia has to really do. Do is let Matt Stafford, who's had the best years of his life under under uh, Jim Bob Cooter, do their thing while he turns around and upgrades this defense to where he needs. It. And he's got himself a Pro Bowl safety, he's got himself a Pro Bowl corner, and he's got himself a Z- uh, Ziggy Anza potentially coming back with a franchise tag, and a young Jared Davis who had a really good second half of the seasons. So he's got the pieces to get this puzzle around. And whatever he doesn't, he's got he, Bob Quinn's going to set him up. So he's you're not, pleased. I'm very pleased. You're pleased. And I also, on top of that, the rumors were that Patricia had had chance to go anywhere he wanted, Giants included, and he chose Detroit. And I think that hmm. says a lot about what he felt was was the best situation for him. Dangles, who are you marrying? I like Josh McDaniels in Indianapolis here. Right I think that's a, I think that's a great hire for them. I think he fits right in with this offense. I mean, look, here's the situation. Andrew Luck comes back and he's healthy and he get he fits right he falls right back in and starts moving the same way that he was before his injury. I mean that's that's a win win for you. You've got your 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 franchise quarterback back and uh if you feel a uh, fill 
what could potentially be a hole in your running game. You've got some serviceable receivers, uh, and you work on the defense, and suddenly you've got a team there. Jacoby Brissett's a guy he worked with in New England, yep. so he knows how yep. to coach him. He knows, and Brissett respects McDaniels. I think McDaniels is ripe for another chance at head coaching. I think this is going to go very differently than his time leading Denver if he t- if this uh, ends up playing out the way that we expect it, uh, expect it will. But I think he's a great fit for Indianapolis, that offense, that organization to revitalize them, and so he's my Mary. Gotcha. I'm marrying Josh McDaniels as well for all you said, and I hope Andrew Luck's healthy because that would be a fun little combo to have. I'm uh, I'm fucking, though, the New York Giants and Pat Shermer. I am as well. The more I think about this connection, this match, we're talking about a team with the coach, this match makes sense because Pat Shermer is not a dink like McAdoo was. Pat Shermer is going to have the ability to control what he's doing in New York, and he's a very smart offensive mind. He did not do well in Cleveland, but he wasn't Hugh Jackson either. This man can make magic with what he has. Think of what he's working with in Minnesota. Think of what he had to do. He lost his starting running back in Dalvin Cook. He lost two of his starting quarterbacks in Bridgewater and Sam Bradford. He's winning games with Case Keenum, Latavius Murray, and Jarek McKinnon. He's turning guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen into stars. Whether you think they are stars or not, he is making this offense chicken work with what he's Chicken soup out of chicken shit, as they say. And I think also Pat Shermer, what he's going to bring to the table of New York and what New York Giants need is Case motherfucking Keenum. Case Keenum is a free agent at the end of this year. And he can go wherever he wants. But he has performed the best, not under Jeff Fisher, but under Mr. Pat Shermer in his offense. He has played perfectly in this offense. And if he goes to New York and is suddenly throwing to Sterling Shepard and Old Dell Beckham and Evan Ingram, and wow. they get a running back with that with that first pick, maybe a Saquon Barkley, that offense suddenly has some playmakers on it. Do you think you he leaves Minnesota, stuff. though? Do you think he really wants to leave that? Or Depends on how it? far this train goes. Yeah. They might want to keep Sam Bradford. They might want to keep Teddy Bridgewater. They might not. Case Keenum might say, pay me money, and I want to go with the guy I know, Pat Shermer. It's all up in the air for Minnesota. That's why it's a do-or-die season for them. It's kind of crazy what's going to be going on in the offseason. But I think I like I'm fucking Pat Shermer and the Giants. The other sexy thing about Pat Shermer and why he's my choice for the for the fuck, I think he comes into a situation where he brings, again, not everything Matt, Ben McAdoo wasn't, but he also comes in and, and he's got the pedigree of having been a head coach already. Yeah. You yeah. know, he walked, yes. he walked out of the Browns. Out, out of that group, to me, Pat Shermer got the biggest stiff from working at the at, at a point in the Cleveland Browns organization where uh, I think he he was the head coach during the lockout. Mm-hmm. He was the head coach when when there was a switch in management uh, when the ownership sh- uh, shifted. So here's a guy who really didn't get a fair shake, and he won games in he Cleveland. Did, he did great, but he won games. He won games, which is very hard to do in Cleveland. So you got to give him a lot of credit. And I think he, I, I just think he's ready. To, at eight, I think he's 52. I think he's ready to get back in the coaching. I like it. I like that's the a, match. That's a good pick. Who are you fucking thanks? I think I'm gonna fuck John Gruden here. Uh, with the with the Oakland Raiders, I, I I really want to to give. I mean, I don't know a ton about the guy. I've only done a little bit of reading in on him. Matt Nagy in in uh, in Chicago. That's just a tough situation. I feel like for a guy who spent his entire career under one head coach to walk into a, a franchise like the Bears, where your offense is pretty much at square one. That's why I'm uh, Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's going to be tough. But I think Gruden's got something to work with there. You have a franchise potentially wide receiver in Amari Cooper, and I think there is still some talent left to be tapped in Derek Carr if the right sir. If the circumstances coalesce around him correctly and if he stays healthy um i think john gruden could potentially breathe some life back into that team and make them a contender uh, to the point to where they you know maybe were back in 2016 so i like that higher there in oakland gotcha i'm uh moving on to the kill i'm killing that matt Nagy team i just i for some reason i do not like trubisky i don't know why i just watched him all season i my love for him just faded away very quickly 
Uh, we'll see what Nagy can do for him. And also, there's a lot of old pieces in Chicago. A lot of old, old pieces in Chicago. So if you don't start doing well now, you're going to have to start drafting. And they've missed on a lot of draft picks. They don't have a lot of depth. It's going to be tough walking for Matt Nagy in Chicago. Who are you killing, Bri? Uh, you know, what's funny about Nagy is they're keeping the defensive coordinator there. And that defense was really good. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Nagy. But I'm also going to make one, 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 I guess, one vote for John Gruden. Something that we haven't talked a lot about, or I haven't read a lot of stories uh, in relation to this point, but... They, they're moving to Las Vegas in two years? Real soon. So you got John Gruden screaming and yelling how he wants to bring a championship back to Oakland. You got two years, homie. Do you think you can win this in two years? Because you're, you're, you've got the clock running against yep. you. To me, that's a, that's a, that's a, you're setting a really strong precedent. If you told anybody in the league that I, we're going to win a Super Bowl in two years, with the parity in this league, that, that's a bold statement. I know everybody thinks that in their locker room, but, not, but you literally have a timetable. Yep. So that's going to be interesting, and I think that'll be a big disappointment if he cannot deliver to his Oakland team. So that's that's one reason why. Dangles, who are you killing? I think I kill Nagy too. I think he's just I, he's set up for failure in Chicago for yep. a lot of the reasons that you said. I think it's you know as, if, as long Tough as they're division. okay with as long as they're okay with a you know a couple of four and twelve seasons to get started while he gets his footing under him. I don't I just I don't see the success happening like that for him in, in in Chicago. Who knows? Maybe maybe they become the he's LA a quarterback Rams whisper. Season. Maybe he's a, they be- he's yeah. a QB whisperer, exactly. and he did something with Pat Mahomes apparently. So. Who knows? But now we're going to move on to the four teams that are left. It's championship weekend in the Left Coasters podcast. Left Coasters. And before we go on to pick these games for championship weekend, we got to talk about Helmet.World on Facebook and Helmet.World on Instagram. This guy, David, he set us up. He makes custom-made helmets, the finest custom-made helmets you will ever see with your very own eyes. He made three mini helmets for the three hosts here with the Left Coasters insignia on there. They are a beautiful blue and gold. Great little uh, uh, face mask on there. It sits on my mantle at home. Everyone talks about it when they walk in. He can make you full-size helmets as well. You can put them on your head and run through a wall. It's awesome. He does visors. He chromes them out. He does face masks. It's so nice. You can put anything you want in these helmets. Helmet.world on Facebook. Helmet.world on Instagram. And also, before we move on, we have a very special announcement. We've been hinting at it all the time. But next week, during the Pro Bowl week, we will have the first ever Left Coasters Awards, the Coasties. The Coasties are coming, and we need your help. We want questions. Of course, we're going to do MVP. Of course, we're going to do Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, blah, blah, blah. We want to do some special awards, though, too. We're going to have, we have some ideas ourselves what we're going to do, but we want to know what do you want to see out of this award show? What awards do you want us to break down? Could it be the biggest butt fumble of the year? Could it be the craziest play of the year? Who has the biggest horseshoe up their ass? You let us know what you want to hear, and we will do these Coasties for you. So you can send anything you want through our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter under the Left Coaster's name. You can hit us up on the uh, on the email, leftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com or through the website, theleftcoasterspodcast.com. So now on to the conference championship picks and the next week, the Coasties. Left Coasters. And now we're on to picking the championship weekend, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Two games left to determine who plays in Minnesota in the Super Bowl the first Sunday of February. We have two games right in a row. And I think I know these two games. I know I know I'm gonna get these picks right because I'm on a hot streak, fellas. I got all four right last week. Nailed it. I have nine points on the total. Dangles two points behind with seven. Brian, three points total. These two picks today are worth three points apiece. Plenty of moving time. Plenty of moving time. Brian, you might want to take a shot in the dark though. Uh, so let's do these games, my man. What do we have first for championship Sunday? At three oh five East Coast time. 
12.05 Pacific, we have the Jaguars at the Patriots on CBS. Wait, wait, wait. This isn't the rematch Pittsburgh and New England. That's not what I That's not what I have on my computer. Somebody oh. needs to let the Pittsburgh Steelers know that they're not playing this week. Oh, I thought that was set in stone once the we went into the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, you know Pittsburgh what it was? Pittsburgh and New England. You know what it was? They wanted to play Madden this week. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. They'll be golfing during this game. They will be golfing. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the AFC Duval County. Are you kidding me? Crazy. Duval till we die, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Bortles versus Brady. The actual fuck (laughs) is happening. Are you shitting me? If you had told me that Blake Bortles would be the the man to lead his team up against the the just the vaunted New England Patriots of the of, of the 2017 season i would have told you well you you better better pack your bags new england cuz you're going straight to the super bowl i don't think they've ever played a worse quarterback in the afc championship I don't think they've ever How had— How about the playoffs? How about the playoffs? Yeah. Tennessee and, and, and Jacksonville is the road to the Super Bowl for the New England two Patriots. Two uh, AFC South teams. Ridiculous. This is me—I mean, you listeners at home know that I'm either hot or I'm not with my betting ability. Sometimes I'm really good. Sometimes I make the worst bets known to mankind. But I looked at this whole season at the very beginning, and I took Jacksonville out of the pile and said they will lose less—they uh, will win less than six games this season. The number was at six, and I said, nah, they're going five and 11 or worse. They're in the AFC Championship. They've won 12 games. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> they just scored 45 points in Pittsburgh. Dangles, are you scared? For First off, whom? Oh, are you going to be Patriots. Who are you rooting for in this game? Well, I'll be rooting for the Patriots. You sure? Yes, I'm you, sure. You, you can be honest here. I know, and I am, be, I am being honest. Will Patriots you be- are my hometown team. Will you Nothing be upset if they that. lose? I mean, clearly you'll be upset, the but Patriots? Will, you, will you be rooting for Jacksonville if See, they win? I feel like you'll be rooting for Jacksonville. I, well, but I, I'll be rooting them for them in a different way than I'm rooting for the Patriots. I want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. I want the dynasty to continue to be successful. I want the, I want the sixth ring. I want Brady to mad to, to get the Jordan status. I want all that stuff. But the the improbability of Jacksonville beating New England, the improbability that they would even have a winning record this season, win their division, and stumble their way into the Super Bowl, all of that is just, it's such a great story. And having a personal connection to Jacksonville like I do, I, you can't. You can't not be rooting just a little bit for them. Just a, even just a little bit. I think I figured it out. What'd you you know? I think Dangles is married to the New England Patriots, <laughs> but he's having an he's affair with the Jacksonville I mean, Jaguars. He's got a side check. And this is the party where, like, oh, shit, it's a work party where your wife see meets one your girlfriend. You're like, I don't know who to root for if in this my wife fight. finds out, then I'm not totally screwed, right? <laughs> well, I made, uh, look, I made a vow. I made a vow, you know, and, and the Patriots. I made a vow to the Patriots, and they're my team, and I'm sticking with them. And I, I, I mean, they're they're gonna win. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that you know, even if the Jaguars, the Jaguars have to play a perfect game. If we're moving on to the the actual football of this, if mm. they have ever had to step in and play a perfect game of football, this is the game where they've got to do it. Yeah, perfect I mean, game indeed. What do they need to do, Brad? What do they need to do to beat New England in their seventh straight AFC Championship game? I was talking to my father today, and this is. Talk about, like, first-world problems. My father said he couldn't remember how many AFC Championship games he's seen in person. He couldn't remember because he's been to every one, and he does not remember how many games he's seen in his seat at Gillette Stadium. So what does Jacksonville need to do to win? Well, I, you know, they're probably going to, I guess... On the defensive side of the ball, New England's going to stay away from the corners. They're just—they're not going to yeah. waste their time. Yes. They're, it's going to be Gronk and Deion Lewis 
all day in the middle. You're just gonna you're just gonna you're just gonna see a lot of that. I think that, they're gonna run the ball forty times. I think they feel like they have a better chance against Miles Jack, Telvin Smith than they do against the corners, uh Bouye and and um uh, Ramsey. Ramsey, thank you so much. Um, so they're going to see that. So what's what, what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of a lot of those pack, you know, a lot of those those New England looks where you're just going to you're going to have to tackle the guy, right? You got to be Minnesota in this sense. You got to tackle like crazy. Jaguars keep the guys in front of you, and and force them to make for, force Brady, which he's very good at, of course. Force him to make the unbelievable throw. Force Amendola. Force those guys to to, to get open deep. Um, that's the only way. And then put pressure on Brady. That's that's what you do on defense. Uh, offensively, you get Fournette running and running early and hard. Mm-hmm. As, and and you and you don't stray away from that. You just don't. You don't unless I I don't know because Blake Bortles is. Doctor, you know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I don't understand. I don't know who Blake's going to be this week. I don't know if he's going to be the guy who throws. Thirty balls perfectly, or throws fifteen horribly. Yeah, you know. I so mean, the thing that does scare me, if you are a New England fan, is this Jacksonville team reminds you a lot of the 2007 Giants and the 2011 Giants. They have a front four that can create pressure on Brady just by those four. They don't need any help doing it. Tommy they got Coughlin. a defense that can shut down your wide receivers and make you do things you don't normally do to win games. And then they have an offense with a great running offense and a quarterback that that is where the question mark lies. That 2007 game, people were like, Eli Manning, how is Eli Manning in the Super Bowl? It's the same thing with Blake Bortles against New England. The question is, Will Blake Bortles have that one play where he throws the ball perfect little rainbow to a Keelan Cole out of nowhere who makes a great grab on the sideline and New England fans are sitting there going, what just happened? We're seeing Lambeau line up for the winning field goal. I mean, that's goal. how it happened in the 07 Super Bowl with yeah. Tyree. I mean, it took a, it took a, you know, it took the helmet catch. It takes one play. To just, it but it, but play. it does just take one play. And, I mean, this is really, this is really uh, for the Jaguars, a game – of of pressuring Tom Brady, bringing the 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 Titans didn't sack Brady. They didn't, didn't they didn't get didn't to him touch, at all. Touch. And and if Brady has all day in the pocket, he's going to make plays. I think I think they have to bring that pressure big time. They're going to have to try and play that matchup. The the Jaguars linebackers are freak athletes. Miles Jack is a freak athlete. Telvin Smith is a freak athlete. And that front four is going to make you run. They they the, Yannick Ngakwe number ninety one. Watch him for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nuts. He is incredibly underrated. He was responsible. for for the strip sack that turned into a fumble recovery for a touchdown with the Steelers there on Sunday. Miles Jack had an interception, and I think on the Steelers' first possession. A pretty interception. A very pretty interception. These guys will hurt you. So big-time pass rush for the Jaguars, and also limiting, as you alluded to, the amount of damage that Gronk is able to do over the middle of the field, and Deion Lewis. Yards after catch is going to be a big stat, I think, for the Patriots if they want to win. I'm sorry, yards after contact, rather, is going to be a big stat. They need to continue to get the ball to over the middle to Gronk and that's how you win and remember Joe Flacco won two postseason games played the best games of his probably his career in Foxborough so it's not it's not impossible for for Blake to do this but Blake's gonna have to prevent himself from turning back into the pumpkin well you know he has to know that the Patriots are game planning to stuff Leonard Fournette you can't let a guy run for 110 yards and three touchdowns and expect to win a football game you're gonna be seeing eight nine guys in the box pretty consistently on first and long second and and mid mid situations when you know the Jags are gonna be giving the ball to, to Fournette I hope as an NFL fan that the ankle injury that Fournette suffered in the Pittsburgh game is fully healed for this New England game because you want the best of the best but there is no no chance. There is no chance Leonard Fournette 
gets more than 50 yards in this game, even if he's healthy. They are taking him out of this game. That's what they do. They take your best player and they eliminate him. They're going to say, Blake, we're going to get one-on-one coverage on Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee against Malcolm Butler and Stephon Gilmore. And that's just a matchup in Patriots' favor. As for the offensive side, I don't think you need Gronk or Deion Lewis in this game. You need Deion Lewis to run the ball. You need James White to run the ball. If Mike Gillisley is healthy, it doesn't matter. You get every running back. Brandon Bolden, give him the ball seven times in this game. Run, 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 because as good as this Jacksonville defensive line is, they can get pushed around, and they can get stunted on and run between, do a little trap play. Not great run defense. I'm a little worried about that if I'm Jacksonville. As for the pick'ems. Are we all going to England? Is anybody going to take a chance to see Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl? I'll give you a second to think about it. Because, again, this could be the team of destiny. This could be the 2007 New York Giants. I know I'm picking the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I also am as well. I, I love the Jaguars. I I will be I will be silently cheering for their success I while also secretly hoping that they just get stomped. Um, but this they're playing with the big boys here. This is this is for real. The Jaguars did a little bit of practice earlier this year where they went to Gillette and they worked out with the Pats to see how success functions at the machine level. And uh, hopefully they took some good notes. Um, one guy I think you should look for to make a big impact on this game potentially if the Patriots are going to win is Brandon Cooks. If they can turn him into a deep threat, a legitimate deep threat, that's how the, the Jaguars safety or uh, the Jaguars secondary got beat by Ben Roethlisberger. They fell when, yeah. Is when he went deep on him and he threw over top and got those Hail Mary type passes to uh, Antonio Brown and uh, Martavis Bryant caught the other one. So if they can turn Brandon Cooks and he's going to I mean he's probably going to be getting some good looks because they're going to be focusing all their attention on Gronk all day long. So if Cookson can turn into a deep threat and get open on some some stuff where Brady can get it to him over top, that I, they could neutralize that secondary I, pretty well. But I don't think Brady, unless he's like trying to feint anyone or they finally get a play action going, I don't think Brady throws past twenty yards in the air all game. I really think they're gonna dink and dunk. Maybe and beat hopefully the crap he doesn't need team. to. You know, uh, Braga, you pick. Um, I got a wonderful text message from my uh, lovely fiance's uncle. Mm. Uh, who is a season ticket holder for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Her aunt, his amazing, amazing wife, bought him tickets to this game. In New England. In New England. Wow. He's, so he's flying, flying up, up. He's flying up there to watch his beautiful Jaguars take on the Goliath New England Patriots. So out of solidarity with him and the rest of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, family, I'm going to be selecting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Good for you. I've got to make I've got to make up I've got to make up ground. I've got to do it. But at the same time, he asked me something that I thought was very interesting. He looked at me. He, he texted me. and He says. I know we don't have a chance, but doesn't this team just feel special to you? I know that's kind of drinking the Kool Aid a no, little bit. No, but they do. But you can't deny that in the A, they're, they're in the AFC Championship game with with a, with a, a the youngest team in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. behind the Cleveland Browns, but the but they are one of the youngest teams in the league. And seeing Ramsey out there at the the post, you know, celebration, a Super Bowl win. You, you know, it's cocky, but you go, wow, these young kids the really kind of, believe they, they they can do this, and they're gonna go up against the best. It's you, the kind of confidence you love to see. You want your guys to be exuding that confidence, even even if maybe guaranteeing a Super Bowl win is is a step too far, in my opinion. But he's young; he's still twenty. So how years do you old. so how do you beat the Emperor and the and the Darth Vader's of the world? You you don't beat them out of revenge, aka Pittsburgh Steelers. You beat them out of hope, and you beat them out of believing in that you can do it. 
That, All right, Star I, Wars. I I think that has a, I think they have a better chance and a better recipe for success than any other AFC team, and I'm rooting for them. Go go Jags, go. I think that's just a sadistic present by that wife. Just here you go, man. You've you've spent so much time in this garden growing these flowers, and they look so pretty, and they're just starting to bloom right now. And you're gonna get front row tickets to see them stomped into the ground. At I the mean, New England Patriots. I mean, unlike, unlike, unlike. But the, what if they win? What if? But what that, if by some ugh. minute chance? Hey, the Patriot, the Patriots uh, opened up their season with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, admittedly, a team that has a little bit more offensive firepower at home on banner raising ceremony night, and they got stomped in front of their home crowd. Forty-five Abs- at Pittsburgh. Absolutely, in Pittsburgh. Pits- Pittsburgh sucks. We've moved on from Pittsburgh. New England's going to win by at least. Twenty. I mean, I you have to. If Pittsburgh thinking, sucks. Nobody knew can about you, it. Bill Belichick Tony knew about it. Picked it last secretly week. must be laying in bed at night just thinking of ways to mess with Blake Bortles' head. Like, how many different ways can I screw with his brain? Where's, how many different coverages that he's never seen before can I throw at him? Where is Blake Bortles from? Can he send in a ballistic missile threat the day of the game to that state, or is that not allowed anymore? I Did don't he already think. used that card for Hawaii. Moving on to the next game, the NFC Championship game. The one and the two. The one and the two. What do we got, Bri? We have the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles at 6 o'clock. The two best teams in the NFC all year. The two best teams in the NFC all year. The one seed hosting the two seed. This is how you draw it up when you go and chalk on your March Madness I was shocked to see the Philadelphia Eagles win that game. I was not, man. They have a great—they're not just Carson Wentz. They proved it all year. They are not just Carson Wentz. They can run the ball, they can turn you over, and they can play great defense. And Nick Foles, as long as he doesn't Foles it up, they can win games. The question is, is that enough of a plan? Do they have enough firepower to beat this Minnesota team? I truly believe the Minnesota-New Orleans game was the NFC Championship. Those two teams were the class of the NFC once Carson Wentz hard. went down. It's going to be hard to beat. But you're going to be at home. And that wind and that cold weather of Philadelphia, that rock is crowded, does create a factor. Minnesota, for being a North team, plays in a, in dome. a dome. That's right. They're not an outdoor team. Now no. they have to be. Well, and, you know, Philadelphia, what's interesting about this is the last time the Philadelphia Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 2004, they played the New England Patriots, as some of you may remember. Mm. Uh, And their road to that Super Bowl also happened to go through Atlanta and Minnesota in the NFC Championship game. The Atlanta game is now officially in the books, and as luck would have it, here we are. Eagles at Vikings. I'm sorry, Vikings at Eagles for all the marbles, a chance to probably play Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in Minneapolis. Crazy. This Just is, crazy. This is a huge huge game now the 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 eagles are probably going to be underdogs in this game they by are, the line yeah. they yeah. they they are going to be under underdogs which uh is great if you're the mask company that makes that german shepherd mask that lane johnson and i think one other eagles player was wearing after that game i'm pretty sure they sold those out within seconds of that game ending out um scary ass masks. man they scary are very masks. very scary masks i mean this this is a tough game because you've got two very good defenses and two quarterbacks who are not household names when it comes to playoff. Well, Case Keenum may be a household name now, but as far as playoff wins and experiences go, these are not guys who you're going, man, I'm really confident in this person's ability to step up and, and, and lead my team to a Super Bowl. They are quarterbacks that the Rams know well. They were quarterbacking the last team in St. Louis, mm-hmm. the Rams. Nick Foles it gave way to Case Keenum. Numbers 7 and 9, how very appropriate appropriate for two former league coached by Jeff Fisher. Yeah, man. <laughs> They're going to be in the NFC Championship. One of these player quarterbacks is going to be in the Super Bowl. 
I mean, that's a Trent Dilfer-like situation. It's kind of crazy. Case Keenum and Nick Foles. This game's tough for me, man, because I like Philly. I do like Philly. They're feisty. They're good. To me, this is going to be a, a, a match of a chess match between Shermer and and Doug Peterson. That's really what it's going to be. Doug Peterson, like you get a high five for, Correct, for be- absolutely what you did with that game. I mean, they simplified things for Nick Foles. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but they play they they did a lot of r- run pass option plays with Nick Foles. One reads the things that Carson Wentz was just you know a stud act. You know, you you can make th- you know more more complex reads with Carson. With Nick, they simplified it, and then. To make things interesting on the offensive side of the ball, they 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 did a lot of trick plays. They did a lot of funky things. They did I think they did wing T uh, a couple pl- uh, plays a couple times with uh, Ajay and Ag- Aguilar. So they're going to continue to make the the Minnesota defense probably guess a lot. But the thing is, is how deep does this does this playbook go yeah. with with Nick Foles that that the Minnesota Vikings have haven't seen? I mean, my God, what they what they were able to do to keep the the, the lid on on uh, um, Alvin Kamara. And, and and Ingram, they didn't exactly blow the lid off till later in the game. Yeah. So so Minnesota really is just gonna gonna have to re, uh, do a repeat, which is always difficult in this league of parity. Uh, it's about who's hot, and you got to give the Philadelphia Eagles a lot of credit. That defense is 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 jarring. So you know, it, Case Keenum and and Nick Foles both both better you know put their their best forward because that's going to be the difference in this. The game. The scary thing for me, if I'm Philadelphia in this game, is that Minnesota has just ten times the rush defense that Atlanta had. And uh, Jay Ajay and Garrett Blunt did not have great numbers, but you saw that they were getting great yards per carry early in that game, and it just opened up the whole field for Nick Foles. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara rushing the ball did not have good days against this Minnesota Vikings. And New Orleans is a better team offensively than Philadelphia is with Nick Foles, and they could not run the ball. What makes you think Philadelphia can run the ball? And if you put Nick Foles early in third and eight, third and nine, third and tens, advantage Minnesota. And I think on the opposite end, if Minnesota can't run the ball, I don't mind Case Keenum throwing to a Stephon Diggs or a Thielen on a third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. As crazy as it is to say, I don't mind Case Keenum in third and long situation, the NFC Championship game. But hey, I don't know. It's leaning towards Minnesota. Dangles, what do you think? This is this is a, definitely a tough one. Um, you're 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 dealing with <laughs> you're dealing with a very good secondary here. Guys who are much better. These secondary these guys in the secondary are much better tacklers. Uh, uh, I think then uh, for the Vikings, then that you know, as far as the Eagles are concerned, then Atlanta's secondary was just mm-hmm. all around. They're better tacklers, so you're not going to necessarily have as many opportunities to break open in, into the open field if you get one on one because guys like Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes and Sendejo, assuming he's healthy, yeah, they're going to wrap you up. Terrence Newman is a bit of a hole there because he's a guy they like to bring in and in, in some of those nickel packages. But um, I mean this this comes down to I think for me this is a pass rush this is Linval Joseph and Everson Griffin making Nick Foles's life hell on their side of the ball and for the Eagles it's pound the rock pound the rock hard so you can set Nick Foles up to do a little bit in the passing game mm-hmm. you've got three backs that you could rotate in and create some confusion keep that front seven on their toes and give Nick Foles a little bit of of, of breathing room to run play action to do those simple one reads to get somebody like a Nelson Aguilar open uh, uh you know it, it, over the middle of the field to try and maybe make some plays but again you know, the yards after catch or the yards after contact, I think, is going to come into play in this game big time.
I think what Philadelphia can do to sort of emulate what New Orleans did well is they have an Alvin Kamara super light in Corey Clement, a little third down back that they have, and they can use him early in these screen games and these uh, short pass games. And also Ajay looked really, really well in those screen games. That's going to move Minnesota around, move the defense around, not give them a straight rush on Nick Foles. But the good thing for Philly is Case Keenum wasn't Superman in that New Orleans game. He did throw an interception. He did get sacked. He did make some mental mistakes. So you can get to him. It's proven. You can actually have him make mistakes. He's not going to be the perfect quarterback, especially outdoors in Philadelphia. Shall we move on to picks, gentlemen? Let's do it. I mean, yeah. this is this is a much tougher one for me than the New England-Jacksonville game. I, I've, I've been following Philadelphia all year. I've loved them from the jump this whole entire season. I've taken hate from you guys for picking them as early as I did. I loved them a lot. I don't think they have enough to beat Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to be the first team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl, and they're going to beat Philly in Philly. But I think it's going to be a close, good game. Low scoring in a close game. Minnesota's my pick. I, I'm a little worried about the closeness of the game because uh, Case Keenum has just 9.4% of his passes this season came when the Vikings were trailing in the fourth quarter. He's not tested late in games, and I think he's got three three uh, fourth quarter uh, game-winning drives, and they both came. two of them came in a Mitchell Trubisky situation, so not mm. in stressful situations by any stretch he of the did, imagination. He did look amazing in the end of the New Orleans game. He did a really nice job against New Orleans, so a lot of it is going to come down in the fourth quarter when... Mm-hmm. When, when these passes matter most. I think it's going to be a tight game all around. I'm going with Minnesota, too, because uh, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, Providence seems to be kind of a, um, a theme in this season, just having the, the intangible things happening around. I mean, that, that, that catch and that throw at the end was just mind-boggling. So I'm going to take uh, my otherworldly uh, hints and, 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 and go with the Minnesota Vikings and hope they pull it out. I'd love to see a Jags-Minnesota uh, Super Bowl, so that's what I'm rooting for. Yeah, I, th- I do think the Vikings are, are the team of destiny here to, to, to make it to the Super Bowl. I think Philadelphia is going to try and lean on its defense uh, to do most of the legwork uh, and, and, and limit turnovers. That's going to be another big thing for them. Minnesota is absolutely capable of taking a fumble back for a touchdown or a pick back for a touchdown mm-hmm. on you. That is not the kind of thing you can be giving up to a team like Minnesota. But that said, as you mentioned, you know, Case Keenum hasn't really had to be in a situation where he's had to come back this season all year long. The Vikings have been pretty comfortably in the lead when they've been in fourth quarter situations for the majority of this season. So if it comes down to it again, I mean, we may not see lightning strike uh, strike twice. Hopefully, if it, if it's close to, towards the end of the game, I mean, let's hope they did, the Vikings didn't use up all their luck in the divisional round against the Saints. I still think I still think they're the better team. I still think Nick Foles has a really hard time making anything happen on uh, for for sixty minutes uh, against this Minnesota Vikings defense, and I think they hosted in front of the home crowd in Minneapolis. And one other little cool point: I, I don't think I've seen a better performance out of that Minnesota wide receiving core against a better better more suited team to, to stop them mm. i think with marshawn Lattimore and those defensive backs uh playing as well as they did the minnesota vikings were connecting in ways uh-huh. that you just like you couldn't defend mm-hmm. like you just flat out couldn't defend even so, the kid who even the kid who missed the tackle he had a decent game up till that point he picked off four passes this year it's his rookie season so i mean that's he's going to remember be remembered for that one play but he had a good year but, but don't let marcus williams name leave your mind for that or be on your mind for that reason only this kid's going to be a star for years to Stephon Diggs, Thielen, and then Rudolph looking as good as they did. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles better bring it. Crazy, crazy. Well, does, do we have a chance? Do we have even the slightest chance of this championship weekend being as, as entertaining as divisional weekend was? 
I think so. That's why, like, anything's game. I mean, if walking out of that, out of your house the other day, Dangles taught me anything, it's any given Sunday. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Very true. Very true. And that wraps us up for championship, championship week on the Left Coasters podcast. Next week, it'll be the Pro Bowl. We won't be talking about the Pro Bowl. Instead, we'll be doing the first ever Left Coasters Awards, the Coasties come at you next week and then after that we'll be having our Super Bowl special. We might have some friends in the booth as as well for those Super Bowl shows so get ready. Exciting two weeks coming up. I'm sad the season's ending but that's everything guys. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.